On today's episode of Most Valuable Take, I'll be getting into the Timberwolves shockingly beating the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, Wiggins scored 40. I'll also get into my uh, college football championship reaction. And also take a look at the coaching carousel in the NFL. Had a lot of coaches get hired. Um, even some coordinators getting hired. Um, also, we'll look at the... Uh, sixth or tenth team in my way too early power rankings um and more all coming up next all right so let's get into it with the timberwolves so the timberwolves obviously let go of thibs um and they got uh, and also their president i don't remember his name but got new coach uh, saunders and there's a lot of speculation on whether he was good enough whether he was mature enough what kind of could he live up to his uh to his dad's shoes, or, or can he fill his dad's shoes in a sense? Um, and I was impressed by the way the Timberwolves played. Um, Wiggins, as he always does, played a remarkable game in Oklahoma City. Um, I don't think this is necessarily the new look for the Timberwolves as the season goes on, but I think a few more key wins, and we keep Saunders, and, um, and I think the team can rally around him. Uh, the team seemed excited. Um, after the game, I guess that's just natural, but they did seem ready to play and didn't seem, um, kind of angsty or there, there's always a sense of anxiety that I saw with the team, especially when Jimmy Butler left, but, uh, hopefully the Timberwolves can continue in this trend. Um, like I said, I don't really buy that that could happen, but, um, you never know. Uh, next season, I would hope that they go out and get someone else, but, Keeping uh, keeping him out, him on board uh, could help the team uh, as long as the team likes him, as long as he has good chemistry uh, and all the important stuff with uh, with the morale of the team. All right, moving on to the college football championship reaction. I am shocked. Um, I don't know what the hell Alabama was doing. Um, I was completely wrong. I thought Bama was going to dominate the whole time. Uh, I thought Clemson was going to put up a good fight but lose. Um, I think I had it by a field goal or less. But um, they didn't. Uh, Clemson dominated way more. I think I heard a statistic that in Nick Saban's time um, in the last decade or so, he's had um, two coordinators stay, one of them being a strength coach and one of them being a recruiting guy. And Clemson, at the same time, they've lost two. So there's much more turnover with uh, with Saban than there is uh, Dabo Sweeney. Um, and I think the thing is, uh, Joel Klatt put it well, the uh, Fox Sports uh, college football expert, he said that Clemson's a family while Alabama's a factory. Um, that's to say that Clemson's players have more of a... Um, a family, I guess, is the only word to really describe it. Um, they connect really well. They have a lot of good chemistry on and off the field. And that's not to say Alabama doesn't, but I think players go to Bama knowing that they're there to take the next step to go to the NFL rather than Clemson. I think the team is kind of um, overall um, expanding themselves in a way. They're going to Clemson for school, for the connections, for the bond of the team just slightly more than Alabama is. Um, 
and uh, and I think Nick Saban is better with his players than he is with his coaches. Um, obviously, throughout the past with Lane Kiffin and some other coordinators, they don't connect so well, even when they're, when their team's doing well. Um, so I have to imagine as a coordinator or assistant coach or whatnot, it would be difficult to coach under Saban. But there was some play calling that I, I didn't understand at all from uh, Saban's uh, standpoint. Like, the fake field goal was ridiculous. Um, if you didn't catch it, the idea for the fake field goal was to have the kicker be the lead blocker and uh, block for the punter slash holder uh, to get the first down. I think it was like a fourth and six or something. And not to mention, Clemson's uh, special teams or defense was planning for a fake field goal. They had two lines of defense, which isn't necessarily usual for special teams on a field goal attempt. Um, so I just don't understand. They couldn't have t- called a timeout, couldn't have just audibled and said, let's just kick the field goal, play it safe. Um, and then when they got in the red zone towards the end of the game, I think it was still like uh, Clemson was still at like 33 points or something like that, and it was fourth and goal. They had a designed run for Tua where the blocking wasn't there at all, and Clemson, I think, got to him before he got back to the line of scrimmage. So there's a lot of things that you can uh, point to and be like, Saban made the wrong decision. Clemson was all over it. Clemson deserves that win. Um, I do think we should slow down a little bit on Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be an outstanding player. I think he's one of the best college uh, quarterback prospects we've seen in a while, but at the same time, just just hold it, hold it off for a little bit because we've had plenty of great prospects that haven't turned out very well in the past. Um, but moving on to the coaching carousel uh, in the NFL. So I'll just go through and mention some of the big names. I, I might miss a few, but I'll get them next episode. Um, so as of right now, the Cardinals have hired the University of Central Florida coach and the guy who chose Mahomes over Mayfield, Cliff Kingsbury. Um, He is known as the most handsome man in college football, and I guess now challenges Tom Brady as the most handsome man in the NFL. Um, But on a serious note, uh, I think this could be a good move for the Cardinals, and I just kind of want to put a disclaimer out there. Um, I think... Like sports commentators or sports podcasters, as myself, the takes on coaches I don't think should be taken seriously right away. Um, with players, you usually have some proof to be like, okay, he was in this situation, he's going to a similar situation, and he might not succeed. Um, for Cliff Kingsbury, who's never been an NFL coach, uh, we have no idea how well or how poorly he'll do. Um, all that I'm speculating is based off of my opinion on what ha- will happen. Um, I have no confidence that I'll be right or wrong. Um, but yeah, that was just a disclaimer. Um, I think Cliff Kingsbury could work well with Josh Rosen just because he's worked with Mayfield and he's worked with Mahomes, two quarterbacks that turned out well. Um, I am very excited to see if there's ever a Cardinals versus Browns game. I know they're um, AFC and NFC, um, but I would love to see Baker go up against Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, Baker already plays with a chip on his shoulder, and Kingsbury essentially benching Mayfield 
um, would be a great story to see, and I would have to give the favor to Baker and the Browns. Um, moving on to the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers hire legendary coach Bruce Arians, who's been out of out of the league for two years now. He retired um, the same year that Carson Palmer did in Arizona. Um, so, so it's interesting. Uh, I think Bruce Arians could do a really good job with Jameis Winston, get his career back on track. Um, I think that they're going to be a uh, more offensive-minded team, even more than they already were. Um, uh, then the Falcons, they hired Dirk Cutter, the Lion, old Lions coach, um, as their offensive coordinator. Um, I think that they could do better than hiring him. I feel like there are some more options out there um, that they could have researched. But again, could work out well. Uh, he's got a lot of weapons on the offense. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Mohamed Sanu, Austin Hooper, Devontae Freeman, Edo Smith. That's just to name a few. So they have plenty of weapons. So it's a it's a fairly easy, good job to have. Um, moving on to my Browns. I shouldn't say my Browns, but um, the Browns that, I, that I've grown to love. Um, they hired or promoted Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens was their offensive coordinator after uh, Todd Haley got fired. Um, they also had uh, the Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski as a finalist. Uh, Kevin Stefanski is coming back as the offensive coordinator for the Vikings this year, which I am uh, hesitant about as he didn't do so well towards the end of the season with the Vikes, but again, maybe he just needs some more time. Um, going back to the Browns, I think that this is a great decision for the Browns. I think the Browns need a guy like Freddie Kitchens. He's a positive, optimistic guy who also knows the game very well. He will be more offensive-minded, but I think if he gets the right D coordinator in there, then that could be a good option. Um, I would have liked to see Greg Williams come back maybe as the D coordinator, even with his ego. I think that keeping him in there would be very good. Um, he is aggressive and might not get along with everyone in the organization very well, but he's a hell of a coach. Um, he kind of rallied the team. Um, but again, Freddie Kitchens, great coaching hire in my opinion. Works well with Baker. Clearly, uh, clearly that offense succeeds with him. So I'll be exciting, or I'll be excited to see how the Browns do next year. I, I genuinely feel like they're going to continue to trend upward, and I feel like the Steelers are going to continue to trend downward. Moving on to the Broncos, um, they hired Vic Vic Fangio, the Bears defensive coordinator, as their head coach, and this one I absolutely love. Um, the Broncos defense hasn't been itself or it hasn't been what it was a few years ago, as in the Super Bowl winning team, um, as in the team that beat Brady, um, as in the team that had the Super Bowl MVP Von Miller. So Vic, Vinch, Vic Fangio has Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, uh, Chris Harris Jr., um, and a handful of young uh, players throughout the secondary and linebacking crew. Um, I think that he's going to do a wonderful job with this team as he did with the uh, Bears. The Bears defense was not only from a skill standpoint the best in the league, but from a scheming and coaching standpoint one of the best in the league. 
Um, so again, this is another team that I think will surprise people next year. Obviously, they have some offensive issues, lack of depth at wide receiver, um, undecided at quarterback, two good running backs. So they do have some stuff to fix, no doubt, but I think this will be a team to, to fear next year. Um, moving on to the Packers. Uh, they hired Matt LaFleur. LaFleur, something like that. Um, so he had one season of uh, play calling uh, with the Titans. Um, he was hired by first-year coach Mike Vrabel. Um, so this one's a bit strange to me. I was expecting the Packers to go for a more experienced coach like uh, Bruce Arians, um, maybe a college coach, uh, someone who's just got a bit more experience with having that lead role. Um, he's only four years older than Aaron Rodgers, I think, and they signed him for a couple years, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but I do think it's good that the Packers went for an offensive-minded guy rather than a defensive-minded guy. I think that their team would function better as a team that gets into shootouts, uh, shootouts with teams, so um, I think they're going to spend their two first-round draft picks on offensive players, possibly O-linemen, possibly skill players to, to help Rodgers out. But either way, um, this is a strange pick to me, but could work out. Next, I've got some fairly breaking news. Um, <laughs> New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton yesterday apparently went into the locker room with four armed guards, $225,000 in cash, and the Super Bowl trophy from a few years ago. And he said, if you guys want this, win three fucking games. And the whole locker room erupted. Um, so this is kind of the epitome of who Sean Payton is. <clears throat> um, and I'm scared for the Eagles. Uh, this, is, this is an intense, um, intimidating whatever you want to call it, this is, this is scary. Um, the Eagles could still win this. I still have them um, in a close game against the Saints. I think the team just rallies around Nick Foles, but, man, that story is probably the best story of the whole season. All right, moving on. So last episode, I mentioned that I'll be doing a series uh, mentioning five teams in kind of an order of how I think they'll play next season, um, a power rankings of sorts. So um, I guess 32 through 27 were the Jets, Dolphins, Lions, Bucks, and Bengals. And now I'll get into the next five. So um, just a refresher, this is how I feel like the teams will fare out next season. Um, this is post-draft, post-offseason. These are just my predictions. Um, so number six, uh, the Cardinals. Um, I think they have potential with uh, Cliff Kingsbury coming in, as I just mentioned, to uh, rally the team a bit. He seems like a young, energetic guy. He's worked with Case Keenum, Manziel, a little bit with Baker Mayfield, and a lot of it with Patrick Mahomes. Um, they also have a good defense. Um, they have the um, one of the top picks. I think they have the number one overall. Um, 
if I'm not mistaken. So they have a chance to go after uh, Nick Bosa, which will mean their defense is even better. Uh, they'll have a really good pass rushing uh, defense, uh, DJ Swearinger and Patrick Peterson at corner. So overall, they'll have a pretty good uh, defense. Um, so I think they could do pretty well. But again, I think they at least need a one year to kind of get into the groove of things, get some chemistry going before they're actually a um, a team to be feared. Um, number seven, I'll take the uh, Raiders. Um, I, I do like uh, what John Gruden's been doing. Um, I've gone back and forth. Obviously, it's a bit controversial that he let go of the star receiver, Amari Cooper, and let go of uh, Khalil Mack, the star pass rusher, probably one of the best of this generation. Um, but to be fair, he got three first-round picks and a little bit more out of uh, trading those two players, and who knows, he might trade some more. Um, so they do have an opportunity to get some really good players in this draft. Um, but with that said, they still have a lot of positions to fix. Uh, their quarterback isn't even set yet. I think Derek Carr is way too inconsistent recently. He seems to just be turning out to what his brother David Carr was, which was essentially like a sack dummy. He just keeps getting hit and hit and hit, injury after injury after injury. Um, so it's sad to see, but I'm not sure that that spot is necessarily set in stone. So um, they'll have a good offseason. I believe that they'll get some young players, and they'll have um, a significantly better season than they did last year, or this year, I suppose. Um, but still, they got some uh, room to improve. Uh, moving on, I'll take the Washington Redskins. Um, I don't think Alex Smith is going to come back, unfortunately. Um, I was a fan of his. He seemed like to be a, a underrated quarterback of his generation um, with players like Brady, Breeze, Rodgers, Rivers, etc. Um, it's hard to stand out, but he was a consistent, good quarterback, a good leader, a good teammate, um, and overall just a good person. So it's tough to see him out of the game, but I, I have trouble seeing him come back. Um, and they have a huge gap at wide receiver. They don't really have a consistent um, wide receiver one, uh, Darius guys is coming back, the rookie, uh, running back. And I could see him having a good year, but obviously the way the NFL is, you can't just have a good running back and succeed. Um, and I do think their defense is good, but defense is aging. Um, not many offensive weapons and kind of a question mark at quarterback is why they're, uh, kind of in the bottom half or bottom quarter. Um, now moving on to number nine, uh, second to last one for this episode, uh, I have the Green Bay Packers. Um, I know I said I wasn't sure about Matt LaFleur and he could be good and we shouldn't read too much into the head coaching, uh, picks cause we really don't know yet. But with that said, I just don't believe that a first year head coach can come in and make a huge difference to what seems to be um, a toxic environment it seems that Rodgers is kind of walking through the halls as somewhat the owner of the Packers since they don't actually have an owner um, it seems that anyone that even mentions him has a chance of being fired or anyone who has a problem with him could be fired or any player that has a problem with him could be cut so um, and maybe I'm being harsh because I'm, I'm a Vikings fan but I do think that it'll take more than just uh, uh, Matt LaFleur to fix whatever's going on within Green Bay. Uh, that's not to say they couldn't have a good draft or a good offseason, but 
Um, I don't think that they can finish significantly better than uh, what they did this year. Moving on to number 10, uh, the Tennessee Titans. Um, I'm a fan of Rabel, don't get me wrong. Um, I think he's a great coach. I think he can rally the players a lot. But to me, they just seem like a 8-8 eight and eight team at best, like at very best, because Mariota's prone to injury, and he's not that good as is, even if when he's healthy. Um, Derrick Henry is outstanding, but I don't think having a great running back um, really changes too much for them. Um, wide receiver position is kind of up for grabs. They don't have um, a star wide receiver, kind of and the same wide receiver situation as the Redskins, where they have a handful of average to good wide receivers, but no star wide receivers. Um, Delaney Walker is a good tight end, but he was injured this season. He's aging, so we'll see how well he does when he returns. Um, that defense is decent, but I know they're losing a few players to free agency um, and age for that matter. So um, I don't think that the Titans will have necessarily a great year. All right, moving on, I'll try to do a segment every Wednesday, uh, whether the season's going on or not, talking about the Vikings and news with the Vikings. Um, So for this one, I'll just talk about kind of a general aspect of what the Vikings should do this offseason and what I would like to see personally. Um, So a big issue this year was consistent defensive play and offensive line. and I don't necessarily think letting players go or cutting players or firing coaches is necessarily the right thing to do. I know I've said Zimmer should go if he has one more bad season, and I stand by that. I think he should leave if if they have a bad season next year. Um, but I think they need to stay with consistency in the O-line because we've given up a lot of young offensive linemen that haven't been good, but then they end up being good. So... I think we just need consistency in the offensive line. Um, we need Cousins to, I, I, and obviously I don't know it on a personal level, but I think we need to repair the relationship with Thielen and Diggs a bit because there was some drama and there was some argument in that final game uh, against the Bears. Um, so uh, that relationship needs to get mended together um, better than it was uh, at the end of the season. Uh, I think the run game needs to pick up a bit more. I think we have to utilize Latavius Murray more. Um, I think he might be going into free agency soon. I'm not sure if it's this offseason, but either way, I like Latavius Murray probably just as much as I love Dalvin Cook. I think we should have a um, lightning and thunder type of look. Um, similar to the Saints, obviously, uh, Dalvin Cook isn't at the same level as Kamara, and Latavius Murray isn't on the same level as Mark Ingram. But with that said, um, I think they have the same attributes, same play style where Kamara is an elusive, quick player. Dalvin Cook's elusive and quick. Uh, Latavius Murray is more of a brute, uh, third down, goal line type of player. And I think we need to use them to their strengths, um, which we haven't really done in the past. Uh, What else? The defense. So Mike Zimmer's specialty uh, is cornerbacks and defense overall. Um, I think with Xavier Rhodes, Mike Hughes, uh, both of them coming back, then we have uh, uh, Holton Hill playing well, even though he's just a undrafted rookie. He's still a very good backup cornerback. Um, we have uh, Trey Waynes playing extremely well. So if we get all those players healthy back, well, then we also have 
Harrison Smith, Sandejo. Um, hopefully we'll still have Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, uh, Ben Gideon. Uh, I think we should, and, and I know I said previously with the Vikings that we shouldn't look to cut players or um, let players go, trade them, whatever you want to say, just because they played poorly. But to me, I think we do need to part ways with Everson Griffin for multiple reasons, but mostly because if you look at the season and the timeline of his mental health and in, in incidents, and before I say this, I am a huge supporter of mental health research, um, of talking about mental health, kind of getting the stigmas of mental health out there. But with that said, um, I don't think his play is as good as it was last year. I don't think his leadership is as good as it was last year. And with Brian Robinson leaving, um, I think we needed him to step up as a leader on that defense, and he didn't, and he hasn't. Um, so I, I don't think there's much of a future for him on the Vikings, um, especially with Daniil Hunter rising. Um, but I, I don't want to talk about a man's job, but that's just kind of what I'm feeling about it. I think we need to keep Sheldon Richardson keep Tom Johnson, uh, keep Daniil Hunter, um, and then maybe go out and get one of the good defensive linemen or defensive ends in this year's draft. Um, what else for the Vikings? I think that uh, Mike Zimmer should really step back and not comment on the offensive coordinators as much as he did this season. Um, it seemed like there was kind of... Um, some subtweeting or passive aggressiveness towards uh, John D. Filippo as the season was kind of unfolding or as the Vikings offense was crumbling essentially. Um, and then Kevin Stefanski even seemed to have some issues with Zimmer or Zimmer had issues with Stefanski. Um, so I think Zimmer needs to really kind of take a back, either take a back seat with the offense or be involved, not kind of this, gray area. It needs to be kind of black and white to me. Um, I think these things will help the Vikings as the year goes on, but um, until I see uh, Cousins play well in a primetime game and our defense play consistently, I'm not really going to have faith in the team for next season. Alright, so next I'm going to talk a little bit, little bit about college basketball. I guess somewhat about the NBA draft. Uh, I saw um, Stephen A. Smith say today that teams should be uh, tanking for Zion. And I get the hype with Zion, I do. He's the um, first player with that kind of physicality um, coming out of high school or coming out of college, one year in college, I guess, um, to be able to shoot as well as dribble. Um, obviously, his dunking and his driving uh, speaks for itself, but. I think that R.J. Barrett is the player that people should be tanking for, and I get he's kind of already a lock-in for that number one overall pick, but I think the hype should be around a player who can um, really play outstanding overall, and I think R.J. Barrett is that player. Um, I think that he, he could be a better franchise player in the NBA than Zion could, and it hasn't really been shown, but I'm sensing a bit of immaturity from Zion. Um, and obviously he's my age, he's 19, so it's really unclear on whether that's just immaturity, a young age thing, or that's actually who he is, 
but I think giving him the keys to your franchise isn't necessarily the right thing to do. Um, I think R.J. Barrett has more of a mentality for um, like a face of a franchise type of thing. Um, but again, Zion is probably the most physically dominant player coming out or going into the NBA draft since LeBron. Um, there's been countless comparisons to LeBron uh, throughout the years and drafts and stuff, and I don't think there are, will ever be another LeBron, but I get why there's a comparison with Zion, and the comparison is damn close. But, again, I think teams should be tanking for R.J. Barrett more than they should be for Zion. All right, let's talk James Harden. Um, so I'm a fan of basketball. I'm a fan of LeBron, fan of... Michael Jordan, fan of Giannis, fan of Westbrook, whoever you want to mention. I'm a fan of players that that go both ways on the court. Um, I like players that hustle. I like players that can help their team out in multiple ways. And for these reasons, I'm not a huge fan of James Harden. Um, don't get me wrong, James Harden could easily be considered as the best offensive player of all time. But I think we should slow down on the hype with him. Um, I think he matches the hype on offense 100%, probably exceeds the hype. But for me, I'm looking for team players, and obviously I'm a podcaster, I'm not a coach or anything, but for me, players that I like to watch and players that I admire, it's the players that can... uh, can help their team out in multiple ways, as I said. Um, I saw a few clips today um, on the jump of Harden playing probably the worst defense you could ever see in the NBA. Um, there's just a lack of care. Um, it's almost an ignorance in my mind that he doesn't... I mean, to me, as a, um, as a soccer defender, it's like you don't care for your team if you're not going to uh, play both ways and you're not going to sacrifice your body or sacrifice yourself for the team you see LeBron do it all the time you see Giannis do it all the time you saw MJ do it all the time um, Westbrook not all the time but he's an intense player that never really stops um, so it, it I understand the hype with James Harden um, and the Rockets I c- kind of found their identity once he started getting into this groove but Again, I I don't think something like this is sustainable for the Rockets just because I think they need their star players to defend better. And I get Chris Paul is a great player in that sense that he can go uh, both ways on the court and they have some other outstanding players to do that. But I think you need everyone to kind of be on on board to play in the same same way. Um, And I think James Harden could be considered up there with LeBron even more than he is. I think a lot of people have him between like the three and five category of best players in the NBA. Um, but still, I think he could be top two if he were to just work harder and play defense. All right. That wraps up episode 11 of Most Valuable Take. I continue to appreciate all the support I'm getting. Um, my social media is growing slowly but surely. Uh, listeners are growing slowly but surely. Um, so I really appreciate you guys. Um, I'll continue to make videos Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at MVT underscore POD. All right. Thanks for the support, guys.